we believe in a God who has already arranged the future. He's written the book. The end of the book is already written. And therefore, our sovereign God has determined the, the, our future. Um, so vision, you must understand in a biblical sense, is not what God might do with you. It's what God has already accomplished. And therefore, vision is our um, seeing through a glass darkly the broad parameters of what God has already done with the future and deciding whether or not that's the way we want to go. Now, this is, a, this is very important. There will be traditional churches in the future. There will be what you will hear this morning, something very, very different. I understand this different church. I, I, you know how I am, and, and people aren't kidding when they say I live in the future. Every day, uh, I, as I pray, I, I don't pray specifically for problem areas in the church. I just go to the future. That's where I live every day in my prayer life. And so, and, and that's why I miss so much <laughs> that goes on around me, because I, I have to come back, and I miss a lot. Um, but I say that to say this, that I, I fully can see this thing already is, as it already is. And so this is where my heart is. But it is, a person cannot set a vision for a church. A person can't go to the leadership of the church, uh, and say, I'm just going to hand this thing to you, and this is what you're doing. That church has to decide whether or not, because there are huge costs to this. There is huge change to this. And so you're here to decide, as the leadership of this church, whether or not this is your vision, whether or not this is what Northland is going to do. We show you that clip for two reasons. First of all, what I'll say to you tonight is just a very um, general concept of what we believe and the pastors and elders did. Um, they are convinced that this is what God has for us in the future. But it's a very general concept. But we want you to know that there is a videotape available to you um, of, of the presentation just as it was given to the pastors and elders, exactly uh, as they heard it, uh, along with questions and answers afterwards. Uh, it lasts about an hour and 20 minutes, but if you want that kind of detail, it is available to you. Just simply as uh, it, it, like you do like you would any tape, you put video um, um, of vision for the pastors and elders or whatever, put your name down there and for, I don't know, whatever it costs us, five bucks or whatever, we'll be glad to get you one of those so that you can have all the detail you may want. Some of you are detail people. I want, to, I want to have questions. I want to know more detail. And also, as you leave tonight, there's a handout. Some of you are visual learners like I am. Uh, and if you see it in print, that's easier for you. And so there are, there are several of, of, of the points that I'm going to make tonight in print. And so those are available as you leave tonight if you wish to pick one up. The second reason, though, that we showed that to you is because just as the pastors and elders had to decide if this was what they saw for the future of the church, you have to decide if this is what you see for the future of the church. This is very, very important. 
I do believe that God has given this vision. And, I, and by the way, let me demystify. Some of you get real nervous when you hear about somebody going off, hearing from God, and coming back. And, and, and that doesn't make me nervous at all. But if, for those of you who it does make nervous, let me demystify this for you. It's no real trick to see in the future. The future is already here. All you've got to do is pick out what's going to last and what's going to fade away. And, 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 and the, one of the ways you do that is you know whatever is according to the Word of God is going to last forever. I mean, that's just real simple. And so it's, okay, what, what is here that's going to last, that God's going to continue to develop, and how can I know that? And one of the ways you look at the future, somebody has said, the farther you can see into the past, the farther you can see into the future. Now, what I'd like to do to begin tonight is just go to the original design for the church, out of the Word, and, and what God in, how God intended to build the church, um, uh, and then see where we got, kind of got off track, all right? And then see Northland's uh, uh, correction, what we believe is a correction for a church. Now, we're not trying to revamp the entire church. That's too big a job. That's God's job. We're just seeing what we can do with our church. First, we need to understand God never meant for the church to be a place where people just squat and anybody who wants to come can. That's, God formed a people by calling them out. When he went to Abram in Genesis 12, first three verses, he said to Abram, he said, come out from your country, come out from your family. In other words, go out from everything that is familiar to you. And, and I'll take you to a land. I'll show you the land. You don't know where it is right now, but I'll show you the land. And the proposition was this. If you'll do that, I'm going to make two promises to you. Number one, I'm going to form of you a great nation. Now, I want you to, I want you to remember this. God's people were formed as they moved out into the world. That was the way it was with the Hebrew people. That's the way it is with the Christian people. That's God's way. And the second thing he promised was this. All of the families of the earth will be blessed by you. Not just this little group that's moving along together. All of the families of the earth. Well, what happened when, jo when God came in skin? What, ha what happened when Jesus came? Same method. Jesus never said, well, I'll be at this synagogue. You can go to any of them, but I'll be here. And whoever wants to come... The Bible says, Matthew or, or Mark chapter 1, for example, verses 35 to 38, after he was in prayer, very important, we'll come back to that, but after he was in prayer, he turned to his disciples and he said, let's go to the other towns and villages, for that's why I have come. In other words, he came to go out into the world. And how did his ministry happen? His ministry happened along the way. That's how Jesus ministry just went out among the people. And if Jesus went out into the people, the people came to Jesus. And he ministered along the way. It says that in, in Mark, for example, uh, you, you see that phrase over and over again in Scripture, but it says that in Mark uh, chapter 10, verses 46 and 47, the Bible says, And as he was going, Bartimaeus was there. Now, Jesus, when he gave his command to his disciples for the continued world movement of Christianity. Gave it like this in the Great Commission. Go ye therefore 
into all the world, into all nations. The Greek is literally trans, uh, translated, watch this, as you're going. See, there's an assumption that his church will always be going into new territories. There's an assumption that we will always be doing ministry along the way. That's his assumption. When he promised the power of the Holy Spirit for the upbuilding of the church, Acts 1.8, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. He didn't stop there, did he? In Judea, in Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. And when the first and second century church was formed, it did meet in various places because we need to meet together. But it never assumed that one of these places was a complete church. It just assumed that the places happened to be an expression of the church. It says, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, there's a typical greeting from Paul, a typical thought from Paul, and this is what it says. To the church of God, which is at Corinth. In other words, this part happens to be located in the city of Corinth. It's the church of God. It's not the, it's not the church of Corinth. It's not first church of Corinth on Main Street. It's the church of God, which happens to be at Corinth, it's, and it says... And then it defines what the, who the church really is. To those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling. Now, this is the important part. Listen to this. With all who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he always saw the church as one church located in many places. So what happened? What happened to the church? All of a sudden, there's 14 different denominations, and they don't speak to one another because everybody thinks everybody else is wrong. And, 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 and there's these little churches, even in the same denomination, won't even cooperate together. And, and we're the deal, and they're not the deal. And here's the, What happened? Well, it started like this. When the emperor um, Constantine was converted to Christianity in the 4th century, early 4th century, the church, always watch out for this, was blessed with power and popularity. Always watch out for power and popularity. Because with power and popularity comes not only smugness, but a, a desire to protect instead of to extend. You remember the mentality of the Roman Empire, of every empire. Everybody who is in the empire is civilized, and everybody who's outside the empire is what? A barbarian and the church took on that mentality everybody who's in the church in this church is is of, of the Lord and everybody who's outside is a barbarian and so the church for 17 centuries has had this attitude that we're the institution yeah we'll send out missionaries because we're very nice people and we want everybody to be saved. But let's never make a mistake. Who's the deal here? We're the deal. Let's never make that mistake. Well, we've come to a very curious time in the history of the world. <laughs> you see, the church used to be the deal. Church used to have the power. Church used to be the main institution in the world. 
For the first three centuries, it was kind of out of it. It was looked down upon. It was virtually impotent. And, the, and, and everybody was a Christian who was viewed with very, very strict suspicion. Then we were the deal. Now we're coming back to a time when we are more in the world situation of the first and second century as a church than we've ever been. The church is not the deal anymore. We're considered impotent. What the, pff, the church? What, uh, whatever. If you need the help, fine. The, the church can't fool itself into thinking, well, we're, I mean, we live in a Christian nation. All the pagans live over the sea. No, for the first time in 20 centuries, the, the Christian is more likely to have a pagan neighbor. For the first time in 20 centuries, everyone in a certain civilization is probably a little bit more frightened and a little bit more suspicious of an evangelical Christian than anybody else in the population. You start talking about Jesus out there, and people go, going, whoa, okay. I want to tell you, that's how it all started. And we're right back to go. And it's great. Now, here is a word to the institutional church. In case you haven't noticed, the institutional church is in crisis. You see, we've got a lot in common with the Titanic. <laughs> We're about as solid as the Titanic, and we have a lot in common. Let me tell you some of the things we have in common with the Titanic. First of all, the institutional church has 99% of its attention turned inward. We're fascinated with our own structures. We're fascinated with our own programs. And even the prophets... Even the, 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 the posts who are supposed to be looking out have misplaced their binoculars. We, we uh, uh, think that, well, we know we're only a part of life, but we think we're the grandest part of all. And we're arranged, oh, so elegantly. I mean, we have a captain. We have, we have uh, officers. We have staff who are supposed to keep all the passengers happy and active. And we, have, and we have different classes of passengers, though we would never say that. We, we, no, we would, never, we would never say that. But we do. I mean, stop and think about it. Who, who are the first-class passengers in a church? The ones who are very active, very active in the church. They're the ones that go to the most programs. Those are the first classes. And then you get down to the third class, those... Christian and Easter Christian, or Christmas and Easter Christians. We just wish they wouldn't even show up. They just kind of clog up the works, you know? So there are these, there are these, the, these grades of Christian within the church. What the institutional church doesn't realize is it has just hit an iceberg. There's just a little bump right now because we don't realize all that's entailed, but the name of the iceberg is post-modernity. You see, for 17 centuries at least, even beyond that, modernity came from the empire uh, uh, mentality that said, you know, everything fits. And if there's anything uh, that's a mystery in life, it's, it's, it's something that doesn't fit yet. Something that doesn't fit yet. But basically, all the world is well organized and it's all put together very nicely. Isaac Newton thought like, uh, thought like this. It's all one big machine. 
Uh, and that's the way everything operated. The problem with institutions was they didn't know anything. They didn't know what to do with anything outside the institution because it didn't fit. Now, here's the big problem. Jesus never fit. Jesus came for the people who were looked down upon, like, uh, 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 and they were the outcasts, and they didn't fit. Jesus himself got killed because he didn't fit. Was he representative of Orthodox Ju Judaism? No, he didn't fit. He was a threat to Orthodox Judaism. Was he, a, was he a representative of the Roman Empire? No, he didn't fit. He was a threat to the Roman Empire. He was a stranger and an alien and didn't fit anywhere. And he was also going to everybody else who didn't fit. Out there! How in the world did the church get to the place where we really gauge people in their Christianity by how well they fit into an organization? I mean, that's what we do. You know what we do? We don't say, do you love the Lord? We say, will you come to church? We say, and if you come to church, will you join the church? And if you join the church, well, we have a, uh, we don't, but most, most churches do have a pastor of assimilation. You know what assimilation is? We'll teach you how to be a church person. We'll, we'll, we'll show you how to get connected with different programs in the church so that you can be assimilated into the institution of the church. The problem is, what do you do with those people Jesus loves? What do you do with those people that don't fit? You see... We have come to understand the world in a postmodern mentality. Now that we can see the makeup, the general makeup of the world on its absolute smallest scale, it's not well organized. Think of quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics is, is, a, is a discovery that the substance of the world on its smallest scale is absolute chaos. It's random. It doesn't fit. Now, let me ask you about your life. Would your life be that which is very well organized, everything has its place, and it all runs smoothly? Or is your life more on this end, the quantum mechanics end? It's pretty much, whoa, here it comes, don't know what's happening next. Got to react, never can tell. You see, most people's lives don't fit into this nice little machine. It don't, doesn't fit into this nice little organization. Most people's lives are random. But the church says, oh, you got to be organized. And how much of your life is spent in the church, by the way? What, 5%? 10%? What do you do with the other 90%? And if we train everybody for Christian leadership, which is French for, we'll train you to participate in the church, we could, <laughs> we could only use 10% of the congregation at any given time. What do you do with the other 90%? Oh, wait, we'll get to you. You see, church doesn't work in this world not as it is now because the world doesn't see itself as relating to an institution anymore the world is back to the place where it needs someone from Jesus to go to it and say you know what you're valuable just like you are and God wants you to know that and you can be used just where you are and God wants you to know that here's the challenge for Northland are we going to continue to grow into a mega church. We, now, we, we have the largest attendance in Central Florida. We've got a choice here. We can either go the, 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 the route of most mega churches, and we can continue to gather all the resources 
and, and, and try to get people to come and try to get people to participate and, and, and build up this huge mall-like rendering of services um, <laughs> so that you can get what you need and, 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 and create a society within a society and kind of look like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but we got each other. <laughs> or we can be like Jesus can gather just to disperse, just to have the resources go out, just to, just to, to resource other people and other ministries. I believe, and so do the pastors and elders, that God wants us to train people, every Christian for ministry out there, not in here. Oh, we'll always need Sunday school teachers. That, don't get me wrong. That's valuable. But we need to teach kids how to be Christians out there, not here. Not just here. We need to teach adults how to minister in their real life. And then watch this. We have to support them out there. You see, that's where the problem comes. It's not, no big trick to say, okay, we're going to teach you how to minister out there. But then every time you get drained and every time you need support, i got to get back to dog track. i got to go back to church. i got to get in some program. What good is that? How often can you come dashing back here? No, we've got to build the church out there. It says in Genesis chapter 1, I, didn't, I, I forgot to share this with the rest of the services, but it says in Genesis chapter 1, that before God ever created a life form, he created an environment to sustain that life form. He, he first created the skies before he created the birds for the skies. He first created the land before he created the land creatures. First created the sea before he created the sea creatures. Why? Because he knew they needed sustenance where they were going to live. It's the same thing that's true for people. Jesus said, you know, there's old wineskins and new wineskins. And, and, and the church will always have old wineskins because they got old wine. There are a lot of folks here who's kind of done their fizz. And, and this is their deal. And that's okay. That's okay. Because nothing wrong with old wine or old wineskins. The problem comes when you say, we're going to expand, but we're going to keep the same structure. We're going to keep the same way the church has always been. Now, Jesus said, you, you've got a choice here. Either you don't expand, or you get a structure that will expand as far as the fizz goes. You get something that can support... People where they are, otherwise they'll be spilled out and wasted. Here's the challenge to Northam. Are we going to expand? Are we going to become a church that is not geographically limited? Are we going to become a church that is out there as well as in here? And if we are, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Well... Let, let me give you a couple of graphics because we've thought this thing out. Would you put that slide up, please? God, I believe God gives people resources for a reason, and that's, uh, that's always to share them. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And so Northland at Dog Track Road is going to put people into ministry, and we are going to support people in that ministry. But we need to get closer to where the people are. So Northland is also going to be at other locations. 
right now we have ministry centers around town. We have a Oviedo ministry center and a, and, a, and a college park ministry center and a, a Sanford Lake Mary ministry center and, a, and a, this Conway thing just started uh, like last month. They were, they're meeting at uh, 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 First Baptist Pine Hills. Thank you. Uh, First Baptist Pine Hills. Pine Castle. I'm sorry. Pine Castle. Oh, yeah. Wrong direction. Pine Castle. And uh, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. If you live down there, be there. The point is that they are to do ministry to their families and to the community, but they should have a support of people right where they live. That's what they need. That's what we all need. We need somebody right there where we are. So Northland will be at other locations. And, and that's not just true, by the way, of, thing, of, of, of congregations around Central Florida. Eventually, Northland will be at other locations all over the nation and all over the world. Now, we, uh, hang in there, and, and, and I'll explain how that can be possible, and we can still stay one congregation. I know this doesn't make any sense. When I type this into my computer, I got one of those new computers that has this grammar check, and, and, it, and it, will, it will draw a green squiggly line under something that doesn't make any sense. And so, and so I typed in, one church in many places, and the squiggly line came up. <laughs> and, and so you click this thing, and, and it'll correct it. If it's a spelling error, if it's an awkward sentence phrasing, it'll correct it. And so I just was curious. I thought, well, I wonder how it's going to correct it. So I, so I, I clicked the thing and, 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 and uh, asked for the suggestions, and, and it came back, the message came back, we have no suggestions. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, this, this one church in many places doesn't make any sense to a person who has been raised in pure logic. But watch this. One church in many place, places is something that ha makes perfect sense for someone who understands Christian theology. And it makes perfect sense if you're trying to reflect the nature of the Christian God. You see... Christianity is the only religion in the world whose God is both singular and plural at once. You have, you have uh, polytheisms where they have a whole bunch of gods, Hinduism, and you have Judaism and, and Islam where you have just one God and that's it. But this triune God where you have one God that's really three is both singular and plural at once, what's that about? I'll tell you what, what it's about. It's about what his church is about, that we could be both singular and plural at once that we could be in many places at once. And so that's really what we're heading for here. Now, not only that, but we want to partner with other ministries. We, I gave an analogy this morning. My, my, my son, who's a businessman, not the preacher, the other son, who's a businessman, called back and said, Pop, this doesn't make any sense. I, I know you're using this, but I just want you to know from a business perspective. I said, I said when we grew up, we had... Um, um, mom-and-pop grocery stores in practically every neighborhood. Remember that? Just go down the corner, and they had bread and milk, and, and they knew your name and all that kind of stuff. When the supermarkets came in, every one of those went out of business because they couldn't compete. The same thing is happening these days with huge churches like this and small churches. There are thousands of small churches that close their doors every year. They can't compete. They can't come up with the resources and the programming and, 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 the, and the worship that, that comes from a large church? My question is, is that all right that they all disappear? It's not with me. 
They serve a purpose. They have relationships. They, they know people better than we do that are not in, that, I mean, I mean they, if somebody's missing, they know it. And so why, why wouldn't it be possible for those supermarkets to somehow resource those mom and pop grocery stores? And that's why Josh called up and said, Pop, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it'd be okay for the mom and pop grocery stores, but that doesn't do the super, that's not a good business principle. Here's what he missed. I love this. I love this because there's one thing I know about business that my son doesn't. That is only true if you think they're in competition. When you know they're on the same team, the, the opposite is true. Um, um, Jeffrey Braddock, uh, professor of business at Harvard University, published a book last year about chain organizations, franchise organizations. And in that book, he said this, 40% of the retail business done in the United States in 1996 was done by chain organizations. By the year 2000, 50% of it will be done by chain organizations. Of course, the, the classic example of this is a McDonald's. 96% of the people who live in the United States have visited a McDonald's, have eaten at a McDonald's. 96%. 8% of the people who ate out today ate at a McDonald's. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty, but here's his point. The point is, the reason that these chain or franchise organizations, whether they are company franchisees or, or, or independent franchisees, the reason that they're so successful is because of what he calls plural organization. That is, the headquarters learns from the local expressions, how to better serve people. And the local expressions get the resources they can't come up with on their own from the headquarters. Now, that makes a tremendous amount of sense to me. As long as the church can cooperate, as long as we don't care who gets the credit, we'll both be healthier. And so we want to cooperate with other ministries, both parachurch organizations, uh, other churches that are starting. As a matter of fact, we got a little film. This isn't an ethereal thing. I mean, this thing has kind of leaked out, and already we got people saying, sign us up. Here we go. And, and, and there's just a few of them right here. Watch this. I know every day for the last five years, literally every day, I have asked God to put together a team of people with a like heart and a like passion whose desire was to do something for eternity on the west side of Orlando. I didn't want to move ahead doing anything until I had that team. And little by little over the last eight months, God has been tooling a team of people. Now there's probably a little band of 30 people that are meeting on the west side of town, started just this last January, who say, we believe God wants to do something here. Let's do it. Well, my second prayer has always been, I don't want to be out there alone. I need to be united with another church, another group, because we need accountability. We need help. We need support. Um, we need encouragement back and forth. And it really was a no-brainer for me to say, I know who that is. That's got to be the folks up at Northland. One of the things that we would like to share with you is what a joy it is to have partners in ministry because the world as it is is so divided and yet Northland and Lifeline have had a vision of ministry and community and that's been something that's been dear to our hearts. Northland has helped us from the very beginning not only in uh, wisdom and leadership but also helping us bear the burdens when I first started attending Northland, 
One of the things that really excited me personally was to see the thousands of business and professional men and women who walk through the doors every week at this church. Can you imagine the impact that we, we could have out in the marketplace being salt and light if we were, if, if we were really utilizing the uh, platform that God has given us there? In fact, George Gallup tells us that that uh, unbelievers are no longer looking to the institutional church for answers in life, but rather to their friends and associates. Many unbelievers will never encounter a biblical Christian outside of the workplace, where we are spending eight to ten hours a day. It's a great privilege for the church that I was a part of founding two years ago, the Lighthouse Community Church, uh, to be connected in a partnership agreement with Northland Community Church. Every time I went there, I just felt like I connected with God. I know sometimes I'd look over to my wife and there were these tears coming down my wife's eyes and I'd say, uh, uh, what's going on? And she said, oh, it's just the usual, which meant that as a result of, of the service on, uh, on the weekend, that we just felt so connected to God and it was so enjoyable. But then there was also the element where I began to see something I'd never really seen before in my life. There's a verse in Proverbs that talks about, well, there's one who scatters but increases all the more. And even in a lot of my church background, there'd been a desire to kind of hold on to our little thing, uh, our church thing. And yet, here at Northland, I began to see that there was a mentality of these people belong to God. Let's scatter them. Let's, let's see what we can do to bring them to maturity in Christ and then leave them up to God and, and uh, just get behind them and cheer them on. And put Joel in a forum where we, where we as business and professional men and women can bring our, our friends and associates to that so that they might begin to ask questions and begin to pursue a relationship with God. Priority Associates is really excited about the opportunity to partner with Northland in this endeavor of taking the gospel out into the marketplace. We desire to be accountable, to belong, to share in ministry here in the Orlando area and also in many parts of the world together. Thank you for being a part of something that's bigger than Northland, that's bigger than Lifeline, that's as big as God because it's His work. We look forward to sharing this calling in the future. I hear, somebody told me that the West Orange group is here tonight. Are you guys here? Yeah, there they look, stand up. Is that cool? Yeah, there's the West Orange group. Woo! That is so great. Thanks. We're so excited for you guys. That is so great. And we just want to help however we can. And and they have they have the same sense that that we we love North, but man, we got kids. We can't be running back every just Help us to do something here and let us help you because we can, we can give you some resources that you don't have. Let me, let me go on with this. I, I love this. Uh, there's, a, there's a pastor here from, from uh, 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 Arizona, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, Patrick Hansen. Um, and and he, he heard it. I just said a word about this uh, a year ago. Non-geographically limited church. That's all I said. That's what, that's what God has in store for the church. Man, he called up from Scottsdale. Somebody sent him a tape. He said, we're in. I said, well, you know, we don't even know. We don't know what we're doing. We're in. <laughs> he's, here, he's here this weekend trying to figure out. Dave Shaw, would you stand since you're in the service? Dave is the guy 
who is putting all this thing together. I mean, he's the guy who's figuring out how we can be related to all of these different things. Let me give you some more examples. You saw Jack McGill from Campus Crusade for Christ. I was talking with a, uh, uh, another person who is in, uh, who is in charge of the, uh, the, the campus ministries all over the world. And I was telling him about we wanted to distribute Northland um, because we really believe that's what God has for us. And his eyes just kind of lit up. He said, you know, we have, we, when we specifically target campuses in non-Christian company, in countries who have no, no um, um, church around. I mean, these are atheist countries. And we will watch two dozen people come to Christ, and there's no church for them. And, and, and he says, and, and they'll go home, these students will go home, and their parents will come to Christ. And so the parents don't know what to do, so they start coming to the campus meetings because that's all there is. And, and, and he said, if we could just have somebody to, have, to found a church, man, that would be great. Somebody to nurture, to, to, to do the sacraments and baptism and so that would be wonderful. We're having th- we, people call in. There's a little, little group in New Hampshire. I still didn't get, I haven't got all the details and, and this, but, I, but they, they call in and said, you know what? We don't want to be a traditional church. We don't, we don't want to buy a building. We don't want to uh, just hire a preacher automatically. What we want to do is evangelism. That's what we do. And, and there's, there's uh, I don't know, how many, how many people are in that church? Do you know, David? About 100 people in that church. And they'll say, what we need, he said, what we, they said, what we do, we do very well. We have mature, biblically literate Christians. But what we don't have is a connection with something bigger than us. And everybody knows how parochializing churches can be, and the world can be, life can be parochializing. I mean, you just start thinking you're the whole deal. So he said, well, I tell you what, why don't you just send us somebody? Send us Isaac. We'll fly Isaac up every, every, every week. He can preach and, and get us connected to you guys, and then we'll fly him back. He says it's cheaper and cheaper. Now, we don't know if we're going to do this, but, but we're just... <laughs> You know, we're just trying, we're just trying to figure out ways. There, and, and not only in, in relationships to churches, but in relationships to people. Do you know how many people? Hey, put that slide up again. Let me show you something else. We'll, we'll go, we won't go to the cooperating projects right now. I'll tell you more about that later. But, but as we develop our training materials and, and, and go through media, because we have a heart for unaffiliated individuals. Do you know how many Christians there are in the world right now who are not attached to a church? Probably for a very good reason. And their circumstance is not immediately solvable. But they want encouragement in their ministry. They want. Becky and I went to a Down Syndrome uh, banquet the other night, um, uh, a uh, Central Florida Down Syndrome, and, and accepted award on behalf of Northland. We spend half of our time getting the gratitude for what you have done, by the way. Accepting award on behalf of Northland for how we include special needs people in our congregation. And, and, and we sat at this table with this family, had a little Down syndrome baby, but their, their little girl had just had heart surgery. Um, and, and, the, and the dad or the grandfather was one who, who, who had had a stroke. He's like in his 60s. 
And Hank is his name. They may show up this weekend. I don't know. But they're not attached to a church. And Hank sat there and says, you know, I've been, I've been praying for this family. He's, he's talking to Becky and he's talking about how he's, he's praying to the Lord. Man, he's so evidently a Christian. And he said, you know what? Anybody in your church that has a stroke, you have them call me. I couldn't talk. I couldn't read. I couldn't remember. I couldn't do anything. And I've come back. And he, he still has some, some, some impairment. But he says, I can pray for him. I can encourage him. Now, let me ask you. Do, do we really need to run Hank through a membership class before we okay his ministry? Absolutely not. We need to encourage him where we are. We need to say, Frank, or, or Hank, let us resource you. We'll get you. We'll, if, if we run into somebody who needs that, we'll, we'll hook you up. God bless you for doing that. That's where the church, there are hundreds of thousands of people who just need to be encouraged by the church. And you know what? If they are, they'll find a church. They'll find some way to either get attached to other Christians or to found a part of Northland themselves because that's the natural inclination. You want to be around people who can encourage you in what you're doing and you can support in what you're doing. That's the natural inclination. Well, uh, okay, I, I, I've got to go. Take this down. And, uh, and let me, let me, let me uh, close this um, with this. I really believe that God predisposed Northland for such a time as this. Some of you I know <laughs> have felt all your life like you were made to do the world some good in a very special way. You thought someday I'm really going to contribute something. You didn't have to be a star. didn't have to be a movie person. didn't have to be an athlete. You just wanted to do the world a lot of good. I want to tell you something. Someday's here. <laughs> I want to tell you that we belong to a church that for the first 12 years didn't even want a building. I mean, they, just, they, they met at a school. And, and, and they, if it was traditional, they thought, well, leave it up to the traditional churches. We'll just do the kind of the weird stuff. And we'll kind, of, we'll kind of adopt the weird people. We, we like weird people. We've continued in that vein, by the way. Look around. <laughs> We've always had this philosophy. You know, if, it, if they don't fit anywhere else, maybe they'll fit with us. We hope they do. We hope they do. And so even when we got a building, and, 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 and please understand this, we will become stronger as a local church, as we distribute ourselves. This doesn't eliminate us. This makes it, it's like having kids. Remember when you had kids? I mean, you could, you could let some things slide when it was just you and your wife, but you start having kids and those little boogers are watching every move you make. As an example, man, you straighten up your act, don't you? For their sake, if there are people who we're related to are depending on us for something, we're going to straighten up our act. We're going to be better at what we do for their sake. That's how it works. But I really believe that Northland was made for this. I really believe God formed Northland specifically for this. We, in 1990, started a journey towards spiritual maturity. That's what we called it. And, and, and there were two things that we, that we determined. One we determined that, that if we stayed moving together, we could get closer to God's will for our life. And that meant staying on a subject long enough until it got inbred into your character instead of having 
three new points of a sermon every Sunday. That's what keeps people immature. Well, oh gosh, I, I didn't even get last Sunday's applied yet. I, now I got three more to remember. No, we stayed in a, we stayed in a subject and we said this is, this is a long-term thing together. But the second thing, not very many people notice this, but you can go to any sermon that I've preached in the last eight years and you can pick out this theme either overtly or covertly. The theme was always this, maturity means going beyond yourself. The most severe sickness in this society is preoccupation with self. I don't care whether you're talking uh, spiritual illness, emotional illness, institutional illness, it all comes down to the same thing. Think of forms of addiction. Whatever, whenever you think of addiction, whether it be with alcohol and drugs or, or pornography or gambling, all of them are attempts to satisfy ourselves. Maturity is going beyond yourself. Now, let me ask you a question. If that's true for an individual person, don't you think that's true for a church? Don't you think a church can be just as sick if it gets all, all about itself and, 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 and all trying to satisfy just us? Of course. Let me give you a vision. Here we go. And then I'll sit. Someday, <laughs> someday, you're going to come in to a place of worship. I don't know whether it be this place or some other place. I don't know. We, we may move. But someday, we're going to come in. And instead of those flags that you see flying out there, usually churches have them all around the sanctuary. We're going to have monitors. We're going to have monitors. And... On those screens will be actual congregations that are part of Northland all over the world. And you can even go to your favorite place, the, the people that God has given you a heart for. And you can, by that time, you'll be able to look in the monitor, you'll be able to see them. And they, through, through video um, um, capabilities, will probably be able to see you. And you can wave at each other. <laughs> and you can pray for each other. And you can visit each other. Because this is about relationships. It's not about an institution. But someday, someday when we worship, not only are they going to have worship where they live, but they're going to have a second worship experience of all of us together. And someday we're going to have a message that talks about how the distributed church can take the next step together. And someday we're going to have a testimony in that service from Namibia and, 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 a, uh, and a solo from uh, Nome, Alaska, and a scripture reading from Berlin, Germany, and another testimony from Cochabamba, Bolivia, and we're all going to be doing it together. You know how I know that? Because it says it in the book. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And those who surround the throne are from every tongue and every nation under heaven. You know what it doesn't say in the book? It doesn't say we have to wait until we die to experience that. Pray with me. God, send us out. Help us to, 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 to teach people again and again, that their ministry in their everyday life is exactly the ministry you have for them. It's the ministry Jesus had along the way as they were going along the way. Help them to know that their friends and their workmates and, and where they hang out now at the ball fields is 
their field of ministry and help the church to, to come close to support them where they are. And Lord, as you spread this church that, that is a part of each other in many places, but yet one expression of what you're doing among many peoples, God, help us to marvel at your variety and to absolutely be thrilled that we can go beyond ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if we don't remember that, it's real scary getting out of bed in the morning. Um, let me ask the prayer team to come forward. And as we do every week, I, I want to invite any of you who do not have a personal relationship with God, who are not sure that your sins are absolutely washed away by the blood of the Lamb, and, and you're going to heaven when you die. If you want that assurance, you can have that tonight. We talked about things that will last. Let's make first sure that you're going to. And, and so if you want to get saved and you're not saved or you're not sure you're saved yet, tonight's the night, okay? And some of you I know came in with needs that, that may not have been touched exactly by the sermon. Uh, and, <laughs> and you need somebody to pray with you. They want, they want to stand with you, okay? Now, two things. Don't forget the hospitality room. If you're new here and you just want to talk to some folks, there's a, there's a hospitality room right around the corner. And, and um, secondly, um, just like Jesus began all of his journeys with prayer, man, we've got to do this thing by prayer. We, we, need, we need to understand this is God's deal and God's got to accomplish this uh, or it just can't be done. It's way, 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 way too big. And so starting um, Tuesday morning, 6.30 in the morning, 6.30 to 7.30, uh, I'm going to be here in the sanctuary praying for God to just develop the distributed church. And if any of you can, please come pray with me about that. Now, if you can't come at that hour of the morning, um, pray out there. There's an idea. And here's, <laughs> and here's what we're going to pray for. We're going to pray that God would provide the relationships. This is all about relationships. This is not about extending an institution or linking institutions. This is about relationships. So God would provide the relationships and we would just develop the relationships he provides. Second, that God would provide the understanding. Some of us are very institutionalized. And, and I know that, that I, I look at all the young adults here. They're real, what we're doing is just building a platform for them. They're the ones that are really going to do this deal. But the geezers are here for another 20 years or so. So we need, we need for God just to kind of help us get a little looser than we are here and, 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 and really see the big picture. So we need to pray for understanding. And third, we need to pray for the resources. When we talk about this arm of media that's going to keep us in contact with each other, that's not in the usual line church budget thing. And so we're looking for people who just want to invest. They say, we're looking for people who have this vision who say, you know, Building buildings is fine, but man, when you talk about investing in a whole new way of doing church, man, I'd love to do that. So we're going to be praying for that too, okay? All right. Now let's go from here into our daily life, giving people what God has given us to give them. And know that's the way Jesus always intended ministry to be. Amen.